Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Uh, my name is Johnny Wu. I'm the VP of Communication here for OCA Greater Cleveland. And today we have the, have the honor to have David Moria. He is a media activist. So hi, David. Welcome to our live stream. Hey, Johnny. How's it going? Thank you so much. For Thank you for being here. So uh, I'd like to have everybody to know about you a little bit. So why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm an entertainer, entertainment activist. Uh, I really I work a strong Asian lead. So the idea is to kind of uh, look at diversity, equity, inclusion from the Asian American viewpoint. Uh, we look at Hollywood. And we're asking for uh, diversity, equity, inclusion on you know representation within the media, behind the scenes, and in the writers' room. But half the time, that kind of just get lost and put to the wayside. Whether it's uh, our fault for not working too much or not having uh, issues with education. Sometimes we're not taught how to do uh, screenwriting and filmmaking because we're all kind of taught to go to lawyers and doctors. And so we're just now getting into this process of these uh, generations of Asians um, to coming and looking at the film industry as a viable career, uh, whether it is in screenwriting, as a manager, as an agent, all the way to executive suite. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of uh, Asian Americans up in Asians and Asians up and down the up and down the gamut of Hollywood. So we want to look at the idea of how do we start to change that industry so that uh, our stories are being told. There's tons of writers and stories that need to be told, but uh, we're having an issue where people aren't. They don't think that Asians, uh, because only Asians are only six percent of the population, they think that they shouldn't do marketing because of that. We want to change that idea because not only Asians don't only watch Asian shows, and you know that's not that's not the way to think it. Once you once you start not putting enough marketing money into uh, Asian films, then the film crashes, and then you don't think it does very well because it's an Asian film. But you didn't do the marketing correctly. So we want to figure out these ideas and what the systemic issues are within the Hollywood industry uh, against Asian Americans because we're just there's a lot to talk about, and we want to start having those conversations. Right, that's actually I think very good. I think when I met you over there in Clubhouse, which is how we we ran into each other and wanted this room, I was very intrigued and enjoyed your conversation you had with everybody there. So one thing that um, uh, I remember you mentioned that you are a, a, a Japanese American living here for many years, hundred years. So you went through a lot from your family, right? Yeah. And that's one thing that you caught my attention a lot when you mentioned about uh, we should not use the word internment camp. Mm. And, would you mind uh, explaining a little bit about this? Because I think a lot of people uh, in my community still think the word internal mechanics should be used you know, more. So we don't understand the, the differences. And Sure, yeah, I think that you know, the word internment, I always use it with quotes. Um, it's, it's widely known. And sometimes it gets the point across that we know what we're talking about uh, versus concentration camps, which is kind of um, related to the, the Holocaust. But in the Japanese American community, especially in the activists, we don't use internment because the you know, word internment only applies to Japanese or people of alien alien citizenship. They don't, uh, they're not citizens of America or not citizens of your country. So if it was an internment camp, it'd only be uh, back in the forties, a Japanese who had immigrated from Japan who were coming in to do that. Uh, but instead 120,000 Japanese and Japanese Americans who were born in America with the 14th Amendment as their citizenship, uh, birthright citizenship, were taken away, uh, their citizenship was taken away and put into these camps. So you can't really call them internment camps at this point because they're not only for aliens, they're for citizens. And so they're we call them concentration camps. Mm -hmm. uh, we consider them concentration camps versus the death camps in the Holocaust. Those are two different, very different things, but nonetheless, they're concentration camps in, in general. So we don't use the term uh, internment anymore, generally because it kind of um, minimizes what the instructors were. Mm -hmm. They were very much concentration camps all around the country. So we, there's just not enough that we uh, are taught about it. In the education system, it might be a paragraph, might be a page, you'd be lucky. Um, but the, at the same time, there's so much that the history of those three, four years that people can't, went through uh, that my family went through that just aren't uh, discovered. So my job is to teach about it and particularly through television and entertainment. Gotcha. gotcha. Thank you very much for that uh, that update because uh, I did a documentary about the Japanese American in Cleveland and we used to wear internment camp. So that's maybe 20 years ago. So mm. now I probably should go back and edit the title, title a little bit to make it a little bit more uh, current in, in that sense. And that's uh, unfortunately you know, in the sense of uh, we are in the today's society, we still have a problem in moving forward in the media industry just because we don't look like the other in most other other uh, 
European person, and we do look at them very much Asian American. So can you tell us a little bit about certain things that you have seen that we think that we should do better uh, in the media wise? Sure. You know, I think the biggest thing is I, I tell everybody is education. Um, you know, educate yourself in everything. Uh, if you follow your curiosity, right? So if you're interested in something like cooking, okay, so uh, you wouldn't just start cooking and then just continue cooking the way you know how to cook. I think the better things to do is to learn how to cook, fail a few times, and then go Google it. Go you go to YouTube, go to some cookbooks, buy some cookbooks, and um, watch uh, Food Network. Find different things that interest you and continue to learn different processes and how things work. Um, there's this great uh, YouTube thing on talking about the shrimp chips that we eat and how they're made, how the starch of rice is very interesting on the science of it. So the things that you think you know, there's more to learn. It's the same thing with the entertainment industry, right? So if you're if you're doing something like uh, screenwriting, how much screenwriting knowledge do you know? How much have you practiced? How much uh, how much have you read on either the instructional books or uh, theory books or even just scripts in general? It's always more to learn. If you're a director, uh, keep directing and direct. Uh, directing your films, but if you keep directing um, poorly, you're only going to continue directing poorly and practice poorly. Uh, and when we were in band, uh, band camp stuff, they used to say, practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. So if you practice poorly, you're going to keep practicing poorly, and then you're going to think that's the only way to do it. Um, I, so just for film stuff, like continue learning. Uh, for me, it's historical dramas, history. Uh, I can find history just fascinating because it's an endless depth of knowledge that can be learned, whether it's just through culture or just through the events that have happened in the past in, in, in America or anywhere around the world that we just don't know about. Last night, we were in a, a Lao room. and like, I know Laotian people uh, exist. I know Lao exists, but I have no idea about the country. And so I stayed in that room. I learned about how many bombs were being dropped about America. I'm like, these are amazing stories of this lost war that we don't talk about. So there's so much to learn. I just say for media people, learn the industry, learn how the media works, learn how managers work. There's so much to learn that we can't just keep um, going about it. Like we're just going to keep trying. Learn. Right, right. Totally agree. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I get fascinated. I mean, every time I join one of the room that you're there, I just want to be in a quiet audience, listen, listen, listen. And, there's so much to take, and I can't even take a notes because I was so busy editing and listening at the same time. Yes. So I shouldn't have done that, but that's how I am. Uh, there's one thing, couple of things that you mentioned on, on the rooms, and I think it's kind of important to me. One of the items you talk about is the issues with cultural uh, appropriations. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit uh, how, how what is happening right now in the, in the entertainment industry. Uh, you know, cultural appropriation is just this idea Kind of just an idea. It's the it's looking at it in a way that who's kind of making the most money and the benefiting of the stories. So the biggest thing I can kind of reference to right now is Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai right? Yeah. Based on the Karate Kid, my, uh, Pat Morita, a lot of a lot of story behind him and his story. They even had him as the he was in Manzanar. He's the four forty second, like all of that. But in Cobra Kai. There are no Asian leads in the whole film out of the 30 episodes that are there. Uh, everybody's white. I mean, I think the story, generally I'll say the story's great. I think the show's fun, but there's the two, only two Asian reoccurring roles, but one is a, um, a literal sidekick and who doesn't know how to fight. And the other guy's a really bad jerk. He's the best jerk around, but he's a jerk. And so he's still the enemy. And at the end of the season, not spoiling anything, you know, they're at the Vietnam War. And so they're still the enemy. That's a problem. And if you look at all the writers, they're all white except for one black guy. All the directors, only two two episodes are directed by a Japanese person. Everybody else is kind of white. Like, who's making the most money at this point based on a, the Karate Kid, which is karate is Okinawan uh, karate like nobody you know they're not really paying the respect they're kind of just taking the fun cool stuff about martial arts and then put giving it to these white people to do the story which is based in los angeles where there's a ton of asians you could have hired any anybody to direct writers all these things that could have been uh, better well done about it um again the show the show is really fun i mean watch it if you love the karate kid but understand understanding what that means um and and how how the money's being spent who's telling the story really matters uh, again with like some i don't people contest about mulan like four four white writers uh white directors creatives all up and down the gambit 
Um, yes, representation on screen, but who's telling the story also really matters. If someone's writing my story, like characters are real people, like they're supposed to be the real people. If a white, any non-Asian person writes that character, they're just going to miss something. You can never fully flesh them out as a full character. Right. I think even if you just have a cultural consultant, you're only going to get so much. So I think it's really important that we're, we're letting Asians have positions of power and authority to tell these stories of Asian people. So I got questions already, so I'm gonna pull that up on the screen so you can take a look at it too. Yeah, it's cool. How do access opportunities for Asian opportunities? Once in a while, there's good visibility, then it goes away. Yeah, so I do see that there's real progress um, because more more art being made. Yes, yeah, Crazy Rich Asians, and the money, the uh, well, Parasite. There's, there's just they're continually keep coming. However, I think there is there is the issue that we're not in the spaces of, of positions of power um, to make these stories happen. So Joy Luck Club, Crazy Rich Asians, these are all, those are the two stories that are Hollywood based for sure. They're, they're given the money, but so many films are being independently made. So Minotti was recent, The Farewell. Um, I think everybody just kind of pulled the money together. And I think it's really great, but what I would like to see is Hollywood to say, uh, we need to fund more films. The reason why they're just not, I think they think, they think again, back to the marketing, they think there's not enough population to look at it, yeah. but there's many more to do it. So the opportunities, they're there, but we need to start uh, really advocating for ourselves, really coming together as a community, uh, pointing things out, showing them. Uh, I was given a note that's saying companies are looking at their DEI and when they, they'd rather either be doing it, uh, telling us they're doing it very well or telling us they're doing it not very well. So I think right. they're being receptive, but for what I see is the diversity, equity, inclusion departments in these spaces, they don't have any Asians in the department really speaking up. And if they are, they're the only Asian in the group. So their their voices get like kind of shoved down a little bit, yeah. like that's not the priority. Like it's not a priority, but we need to start making an equal priority within all the diversities and uh, initiatives. So, you know, also then who's telling that story too? Can't just say, Asian, right? That might be a Chinese American person. Like, are they only doing Chinese stories? Are they also doing all the other stories? We have to be championing for all of our stories, no matter which race and ethnicity we are. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I um, I have a hard time. Well, I enjoy Cobra Kai, the, sh the series, but yeah. I have a hard time figuring out why there's not lots of uh, representation for the Asian Americans. There is a Hispanic representation, there's African American, but somehow the uh, Asian American is kind of uh, forgotten or just had very, very minor role into it. Mm -hmm. Then I, I was in one room and uh, one lady, she actually did consulting for Netflix and she said something quite interesting. Um, almost what, more than 94% of people working there are white. Yeah. So that might be the reason that because we are in the, in the, in the industry where, where there's lack of diversity involvement in throughout the whole process. So, you know, the voices are forgotten. So, you brought that up and I want to point something out whether this how this ever is going to turn out is fine but if you actually look at Netflix's missions right their missions are really great they're saying diversity equity inclusion making it work they actually have strong black lead strong trans lead strong LGBTQ lead uh, and strong female lead and even strong brown lead but they left out strong Asian lead that was one of the reasons why I took the name I was like you left out the Asians why you have a whole youtube channel talking about strong black lead and what it's doing but only one video for always be my maybe like yeah. where are the asians in this whole thing where's the conversation yeah. we need to start pushing for that and so that's I, I, yeah i guess they're doing better because there's a new netflix show it's called about uh bling mm. uh, bling, bling, empire. bling yeah. empire. and it's weird it's almost looking like a reality tv show of Asian Americans in, in in LA, and I feel a little weird just because it's not it's not the true representation of Asian Americans mm -hmm. actors, and so it's more a reality TV show, scripted reality TV show type, and feel like you know, most of us may not gonna be identifying with that kind of a show because we're not living that world. That's a different kind of world. So actually, uh, I love I love playing Empire. I mean, I'm not a rich crazy rich Asian, yeah. um, but. There is one dude that who is not rich, like he's the outsider, right? So I Kevin, think it, right. It, Kevin's great, and um, you know, I I might not be the rich people. We're not a rich family, uh, but at the same time, I found a lot of themes that were very similar to what my family goes through 
uh, just relationship wise, because relationships are relationships. Mm -hmm. And so like I was, I found myself ye yelling at the screen, like, oh, <laughs> and so uh, I know I hate reality TV show, but like I'm, I was dying for that. I'm dying for season two. I'm looking forward to watching House of Ho. Um, another Netflix show I want to point out because it's not, they just had a streaming today. I'm actually like in the middle of watching it. It's mm -hmm. Finding Ohana. Um, it's kind of like the Goonies meets uh, Hawaii, and it's wow. actually, it seems really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's like this kid's show, Adventures. And so right. I think they're doing better. Uh, I just think that their, uh, their, their whole system within their Netflix could be pushing a little further and talking about the inclusion. Totally, totally. So we got a couple of questions here. I'm going to show yeah. you one another one here. I already thought them Harold and Kumar was still a part of the presentation. Yeah, I mean Harold and Kumar was one of the OGs. Um, you know, it's something that didn't base itself on being Asian, but you had two people there. And I think that's a huge part of understanding. David, and, you might repeat yourself, you cut off again. Oh my my apologies. Can you hear me now? Yes. But okay, you're cool. <laughs> okay. Uh Harold and Kumar, great, great movie. I mean, one of the OG movies of representation south asian and korean asian right so you have this two people just doing the thing they didn't have to make it about asian uh, asian identity i don't think it needed to but they went to the college and there was a whole asian party um so it was kind of wild but like at the same time that's fun um you also what was really great about it was there's two different asians from different cultures still being friends we don't see that very often sometimes you see an asian show it's like the one race of the show uh like fresh something like fresh off the boat or crazy rich asians but to have two different cultures come in be friends i want to see more of that i want to see cultures that we don't see connecting with each other like you know if me and japanese uh, my family has been over here in a, uh, over for 100 years so i actually didn't have this whole um korean japanese divide uh because my kind of came before the occupation but i've been finding korean people coming to me like david it's actually really nice to meet you because we don't get to talk to japanese people very often because my parents my grandparents said you know don't like the japanese and so we're finding this new uh barrier breaking and i'd love to see that more in television and wait, wait. right here's one from vera uh how do you get around movies that have been whitewashed still progress does it still progress to have such movies that increase exposure to asian storylines mm, yeah i mean if they're whitewashed then then there's no representation on screen there's probably no representation in the background uh, anytime I find something who people who say like, oh, I can play any role. I just call that the Joe Hansen effect. Um, you know, she just thinks she can play every role. I'm like, you can, but then you're taking away the opportunities from somebody else. So if we're talking about Asian roles and Asian, uh, that are, you know, either the cartoon, the, um, comic books that are Japanese made, Asian made, like give them a chance why aren't we having more auditions for those things why aren't you looking at more places i had someone say they go to casting and they say i go to chinatown to look for things like why are you going to chinatown you should be going to san gabriel valley or irvine like there's huge populations of other asians you know just go to chinatown that's a limited mindset thinking is it, is it because us make it limited because we don't let them know that we have all community in different places not just chinatown or is it because of us the way we portray ourselves you know, I think it's just a, a lack, a lack of knowledge. And this person was an Asian person. So I was like really surprised that they didn't like think about that or they we just wanted to push them back. Like, hey, you should uh, look at other places because there's more. That's where we really live. Uh, even in my hometown, which is uh, Ontario, California, it's outside of L.A. Like it wasn't very uh, Asian heavy when um, when I grew up. But now I came back after living in New York for so many years. Uh, it's I see Asians around all the time. We're actually going to get our first 99 ranch down the street. I'm like, oh my god, yes, we actually have some uh, somewhere else to go. So it's like 20 minutes down the road. So like, it's not our fault. I think it's the um, Hollywood's responsibility to look at the census, where we're living, uh, where the population is. You know, go to the colleges, even outside, because so many in go to the art departments, go to the theater departments. We're growing, but we're not all living in like almost most of the population is not living in Chinatown or little Tokyo. Right, right. So, and, and then it's like the older generations who have lived there for centuries. So we should be really thinking about spreading that knowledge. Um, and also it, it can be our responsibility. Should it be our job? No, but it's our responsibility now to make ourselves visible and say that, you know, we represent Irvine uh, in the Inland Empire. I'm finding more people from out here. I'm like, I don't think anybody lived out here. And so there's a really, uh, there's a, 
position for us to start saying we need to speak up where we're living because then we find more people and be in the Hollywood industry, not just in the actor side. If you are in the actor side, you know, bring other people up. But if you're in the casting, directing, all those places, the creative decision making roles, like when we have Asians in there, they think like we do. So they know where we're living. We know what to do. Um, you know, if you're making these Asian stories, like why are you having them go to the Ralph's uh, grocery store when you really could be going to the H Mart? Like making those decisions make a lot of difference. Right, right. Thank you, thank you. So anybody else is watching? We actually have a lot of people watching. About twenty people are live watching the live right now. Yeah, that's that's kind of great. Now I wasn't expecting that many, but that's actually <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so this is the first time we're doing live streaming for OCA Cleveland chapter. Uh, anybody have any questions? Feel free to type in right away. It takes about 10 to 20 seconds delay to get to me. So I will, I'm monitoring everything right now at this point and, and, and talk to David Maria. She, he is a media activist and uh, have a lot of history. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of things that the, the reason why uh, we need to get through so much and work so hard to have people recognize that the Asian American are also uh, have talented people here and can be able to be in the industry and can do a really good job. Besides being stereotypical, martial artists or, mm -hmm. or just have an accent because for a very good example a lot of times they the the hollywood or the studio asks a asian american to have certain accent because you know this is how we look and they feel like they had to have the accent to connect with the dots so tell us a little bit how, how you feel about this whole process uh say that again so process of like how they're casting us yeah because they always when they cast us they also want us to have an accent so mm. what do you feel about that that whole process? I think it's kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah, we talked about this on Clubhouse the other day, we called it uh, acting with an Asian accent. And uh, we had a bunch of actors come up and like, we talked about it. Like, I think there's, you know, there's a reason, there are moments you can do it and you can't. Like, uh, there just shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't be the accent to be a funny joke or to be something that we just want it because it's funny or that's what the character is. Like, look at the character. Is that character uh, first generation? Are they an immigrant? Like, how bad would their accent be? Uh, is it right for that character? Is it something that um, we, are we taking into effect when we're writing these characters? If it's just like, hey, this person's Asian, like, do it with an accent. Like, that is that really the right choice to make? And are you are you casting somebody? You you say in the writing you're gonna say they're Asian, okay? What kind of Asian? You say accent, okay? What kind of accent? What part of China? What part of Vietnam? Japan? Like, there's so many different ways that you, when you just say accent, like, there's so what? There's so much gambit. So, right. uh, you know, I think places like uh, shows like Kim's Convenience, like they're supposed to be immigrants. They they came, they do have that accent. They're playing that accent. They are British Canadian. They have full like. British Canadian accents in real life, but they yeah. put on that accent. I think it does it well. But then you have things like let's for easy, easy, state, uh, easy of uh, understanding reference is Long Duck Dong. Like no, that's not. They didn't make a real thing. It was just a general Asian. He, they didn't make him a specific thing. They said do it with an accent. Um, so I mean, you have things like uh, Uncle Roger on YouTube. Like he does his accent, but he's basing off his uncle, and I think that's an important part. Like he played into it uh jimmy o yang he was on a show that he uh, heard his heard his podcast or something and he said the director yeah it was his character and his father and the father was actually doing a bad accent of what his father his what would be the language that would be so he told the director that that's not the right accent he's doing a mandarin accent rather than a cantonese accent so we should change it and the director actually said okay who can we get to change that and so they changed it. And Jimmy said, my dad is actually, would be right for this character and he's doing acting stuff. Switched out the role. I mean, sorry for that guy, got fired, but switched out the role and, it, but that's what made the difference. And that director who was not Asian, he's, he said, okay, I don't know about this. I never would have guessed. So he seems a uh, Jimmy O'Yang like uh, advocated for himself and for the language and for the representation. That's what changed the difference. And when we have directors and producers who are like that, who would say, you are the expert on this because I'm not, and right. let them make the decision. That's when we start to get the change in Hollywood. Yeah, totally. yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I I watch a lot of uh, cartoons. Like, in fact, recently watched the uh, Batman, um, uh, the the Soul of the Dragon, which is a cartoon from uh, uh, is it Marvel DC DC though, DC, mm -hmm. and kind of interesting because inside they talk about a a monk a monk that uh, uh, Bruce Wayne went to training with. 
and everybody called the teacher as sensei, but yet he wearing a kung fu uniform and using Chinese sword. That's like, mm -hmm. okay, probably this is because they have based the whole cartoon on the comic book side of it, which means that back then when they do that comic book, they didn't study enough to understand that's a different world, you know. But then you combine everything together because you want to try to create your own world, but it makes very, very weird. And I feel like it's just not a, a exact representation of our culture because now you're mixing Japanese, Chinese, and potentially uh, in Hindu all together into one, one person. Like why? Um, same thing with uh, what's uh, what's a movie? The one that with uh, Doctor Strange. Right. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> same issue. I mean, it's. I, I I don't know because sometimes I feel like it's the it's it's in the sense of maybe the way we portray. So for example, Japanese animation, mm -hmm. they always have big eyes. You know, color hair, color eyes. And so a lot of uh, 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 outside media feel like they, they are drawing to, a, to assimilate the European style culture in the Japanese storyline. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is the reason why we got perceived differently, or maybe just maybe because the way we look at just the whole bottom line. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're catching on to something that I've noticed too. Um, there's this phrase in Japanese, and I always, like, I always forget it, Miku. Kisawa, I could find it again. Um, but the whole idea is that when uh, when you look at cartoons, cartoons are uh, intentionally made non non ethnical um, re re reference. So when you watch it, anybody who's watching kind of puts themselves in that whole thing. But when we start to make it into live action films, then yeah. that's when we have to start giving giving representation to who who kind of created it. Um, my biggest example is Pokemon uh, Detective Pikachu, like. Yeah. The whole Japanese series, based all the all the Kento region, is based on Japanese uh, city names, and they're eating rice balls and no nigiri. Like that's a very Japanese show. But when they made Detective Pikachu, they put Justice Smith in there. You know, I think they could have given a representation to an Asian person, and it doesn't ha like. I think the media thinks like if you put Asians in there, it makes it an Asian film. Like if you put a black person in there, it doesn't make it a black film. Like it makes it a film that's really enjoyable. So we have to like give it some extra due when we have these representation um and you know talking about the seafood and and sensei is like understanding those languages and i think what also what hollywood ends up doing is saying well this is a fictional story we can kind of do whatever we want with it and you know it doesn't have to be right that's kind of what they did with mulan it's like it's a fictional story she's a fictional character so let's give her superpowers like that's when you start giving these issues of like you're who's really telling the story here who's giving it the respect that they should be doing these things so exactly exactly and i think mulan was too short i mean they didn't explain too much about the chi energy they <laughs> did a they brush brush off a lot of things about the, the chinese culture uh there's a problem i have a problem with the village that she's living it just yeah. doesn't look chinese or of the according of that indigenous area it's like no we don't they don't live like that it, but yeah, and, I, I, I voice. <laughs> some, people, some yeah, very few older generations than mine, like they do enjoy the show. They like the things, but when we break it down, like if you just watch the surface level, you don't think about the rest of the stuff. Yeah, right. you won't enjoy it. But if you really break it down and see if you're, especially if you're in the Hollywood space, that becomes like, ooh, there's some a lot of we could do better. We could yeah, just we could do better. Okay, Wayne got this question. Here it goes. Complain all each. We can complain to each other, but beyond that, what can we done to improve accurate and common representation uh, in entertainment media? Well, besides creating your own um, own stuff, which is good, tiring, uh, exhausting, but also very rewarding, uh, it's really good practice. But what we can really do is like improve this, improve the representation is like learning. So when you're creating your scripts, uh, creating your stories. I I always try to push people to like, how are you bringing your identity into this? How are you bringing your culture? This isn't just an Asian person. This isn't just um, a Japanese American in this story. Really what this is, is, um, you know, an opportunity to teach about the culture, even just a little bit, whether it be taking off the shoes, eating the right thing, talking about talking with grandma. I mean, you don't have to do those things, but I think what helps the industry understand when they start to learn something about us, they start to resonate a little more. They start to think that we're not just one minor, uh, one model minority thing. We're not just one monolith. When we start to separate ourselves from the different cultures um, and not give us you know uh, bad representation, 
Uh, we're not making us into villains in ourselves. Even my early scripts, like my early scripts, they were all uh, written for white people. Like I was, I thought I was a white man for 25 years. So when I understood my identity and someone had to point out that I'm an Asian person, I was like, oh, I've been writing white people for a long time. I need to write Asian stories because if I don't write them, someone else will. Some other white person is going to write them instead of me. So when you're writing your stories, like write not only Asian people, but who your culture is. And if you're going to write somebody else's culture, like bring them into it and understand, like ask them more questions. Um, ask them, you know, what are they doing? What are they eating? What are they, oh, their culture is different. Be curious uh, about someone else's culture, even your own culture. Because there's David, so you're much- up again. Oh no, I froze too much. Yeah, yeah, you had to repeat the last part you just talked about. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, well, anything, I just think you should be more curious about in your culture, other people's culture, when we're writing these things, because uh, Hollywood and the people who are going to watch this, they could watch people, Asian people on screen doing normal contemporary stuff. Like, yes, I think that's great. But if you don't add in a touch of the actual culture, you're not teaching the audience something different about your culture. You're just teaching that all Asians are the same. This is an Asian story. This is a story with Asians in it. And as we, um, I like to call it, like the touch of soy sauce. You can put in a regular you know, story in there and add Asians. And that's good representation. But is that story able to add a little bit more, just you know, a line here, uh, a moment there that says, like, this is specific to that culture? Even when they're cooking, what are they cooking? Are they cooking just pizza? Or are they cooking something that's very in- inducive of who that person is? You won't see me uh, always making bao in a film. You might see me making more rice balls. You might see me making more wontons. Like, Certain, like, what are you doing? I think there's just more opportunity because we're all different and we need to start teaching people that we are all different. I think that's exactly. how we start moving things forward. So I want to comment. I want to post this up here. Uh, thank you, Margaret Wong. Uh, she's one of the civic leader here in the community and we all respect her. She's our elder. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Margaret. Yeah, I think there's, we need to start having this conversation. Uh, there are great companies like people like the uh, Coalition for Asian Pacifics and Entertainment, like CAPE, right? They're uh, and CAPE and CAM. Um, I forgot what, got, what the acronym stands for, but they're doing great for documentaries. Uh, VC, uh, Visual Communications, doing a lot of documentaries, and, and, and they host the Asian American Film Festival. But I think there's what we're trying to do too is add to the conversation, but really uh, point things out, ask ask hard questions, really look at Hollywood from a critical point of view, instead of just playing into the system. Uh, we want to aggregate all the film festivals together. Like, you know, so I don't want anybody to ever ask me again. Like, I, you know, I never, I want to write this Cambodian story, but I couldn't find a Cambodian writer. I'm like, there's definitely a Cambodian writer out there. Did you go to the Cambodian Film Festival? There's tons of films that are talking about uh, different things, documentaries, writers. So we start to, um, talk with each other, look who the, where the community's at, and then work with each other on these things. And as, as we start to do that, we start to uh, change Hollywood for ourselves. Yeah, totally. Uh, so we got three more questions, I think. Actually, it's pretty cool. Awesome. So here we go, here's one. Should focus be made to achieve more Asian representation via streaming platforms since there are more, there's, that is where more of the content is appearing? Uh, I think you should, you know, this is my opinion, do what you want to do, but, uh, there is more content on the streaming services for sure. Um, but I, I see it as there's more opportunities because there isn't, you're trying to fitting a, um, a theater model. You're not trying to fit a, um, a television network, like a specific time period, like 8, 8 PM standard time, that kind of thing. Um, you know, Netflix, if you're doing not Netflix, but any streaming services, if they want and are doing your show, they're giving you the money up front. They're not really looking for box office numbers, uh, which is what the theatrical model is. In the streaming service, it's more about uh, how many people are purchasing the the subscription model and watching your movie. So uh, in my specific situation, I enjoy TV. I enjoy writing TV, uh, long doc- not documentaries, but uh, dramas, because not only are we... Sh- uh, watching an Asian family go through a struggle for more than 10 hours at a time instead of 90 minutes. Um, the TV model gets people to watch things for longer times, which means they're watching the streaming service for a longer time, which means they're paying into the model for a longer time. So if you do the box office numbers, you might be good, but are we 
we don't want to only rely on Gold House to promote these films and these gold opens. We love Gold House. I want, I'm definitely in talks with them on other certain projects, but I think we need now the theme models are dead right now. We need to start thinking about the streaming services that are a really good platform, not only because they are they're accessible for a lot of people and you can just turn it on when you can, but it, the talks around the whole um, industry, especially since the Paramount decree has been lifted, it means that Netflix and HBO and Amazon can buy out a real theater, um, a physical theater, and promote something on there first. So they can just push it on, watch a, more, a Warner, buy HBO, and um, see in the theaters, and then you can go watch it in the streaming services later. That's a whole new model that's going to come out in the next couple of years. I mean, that's my prediction. Um, so the theatrical, the streaming services, they're kind of the same, but I think if we, you can't just like ignore the streaming model because it's here to stay. And we're, and there's so much money to be made in there for them, but also for us. And since there's, there's a unlimited opportunity for eyeballs to be watching, this is kind of where we can step in and say, Hey, we want to watch this. And our parents uh, are going to be able to watch this too. What I would also say, and I want to promote always as well is um, uh, dubbing. You know, some people don't like dubbing. You're like, you should watch, read the subtitles, learn the language, like all those things. But some people can't read. Some people ha are dyslexic. They can't read. They just can't read it for whatever reason. So, and for me, you know, if I'm not, I'm not having a chill night out and I'm not totally focused, if you know what I mean, I can't read the subtitles. And I also want to watch the actor's eyes when they're speaking. So, you know, invest, if you want to do stuff, invest some money into dubbing. If you, especially if your actors and uh, directors are for it, you know, they can speak both languages, like let them try it, just do a dub over it, do it very well. So then if I watch or somebody else watches it, who is averse to, um, to the, the subtitling, they can actually turn on a different language. And with Netflix's and HBO's that have the digital opportunities to change the captions, to change the audio to whatever language, we should be, be, uh, be able to be that more accessible to other people. Especially if you only caption in English, then you're negating all the other languages that are out there. So we, if we think we start, um, my thing is if we start to promote more dubbing in other languages so that everybody is accessible to these things, then we can start like having more eyeballs. And I think that's the whole Asian model before was that it was all dubbing and it was kind of bad or it was all subtitles. So some people didn't watch it. Like I didn't watch yeah, everything yeah. and I turn off things. I'm like, I, I can't sit. I want to multitask and watch, but I can't just do one thing. So we can start. I think we, if we push that more, the streaming services will. Yeah. I give it to everybody. <laughs> All right. So I actually accidentally uh, scheduled hit. Uh, he actually had two questions. So here's the okay. first. How can we motivate non-Asian creators to research or get consult consultation to improve the accuracy of Asian cultures and culture? Um, how can we motivate them? I think it's really uh, speaking out. If we, if you meet somebody, ask them questions. Um, it's not about telling you like you need to do better. It's about what are you doing to promote Asian stories? And then when they give a pushback and saying, that's eh, a risk, we don't want to do it. Uh, we don't know how much money and we you know there's not enough Asians out there who are working. Like ask them, is that really what you think? Is, are you how, where have you been looking for Asian representation? Where have you been looking for culture and consultants? Um, if you're trying to go into consulting, like I have been doing for a little bit is, um, you know, how much have you been researching about your, your, your culture and the Asian American experience? If you're just someone who, um, just lives the Asian American experience, but doesn't actually know your own culture, uh, the vast diaspora, how far it goes, uh, all the little nooks and crannies of people that you're not really aware aware of, um, and what they're doing in their careers, then you're kind of just, at, you're also at a limited base. You're, I wouldn't say you're able to consult somebody else to show them that there's so much depth. If you're only speaking from the monolith experience I lost you. You're, you're losing audio now. American, I'm not really you froze up. David, you froze up. <laughs> David, you're muted too. I think, it, okay, is that better? Yeah, not better. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Honestly, yeah, something happened. I don't know what's going on. But what I will say is like, when you, you ask the questions, try to get them to 
stumble over themselves. As an activist, I've talked to people about race relations and when I ended up finding about um, people talking about race and kind of really shooting down like uh, Black Lives Matter, I'm like, I questioned them and questioned their values. Where did you find that information? Where did you get this? Is that a reputable source? Same thing with Asians, if you, in Asian culture, if you're finding somebody who's just Asian, uh, doesn't really re recommend with their, uh, reconnect with their culture, who hasn't done their research, who hasn't done their, um, who can't teach something about something, um, <clears throat> then are you representing and are you able to represent that the best? Are you someone who doesn't know the language and that's fine, but do you understand the history, the, the nuances behind it? Like position yourself as an expert at something. I've been studying Japanese American culture and history for a couple of years now. And I could tell you almost, I can tell you a lot. I can't tell you everything because I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. But I can tell you a lot of different things within the culture, whether what we do, how we eat, how uh, food is traveled, whether you're pre-war or post-war Japanese American, uh, how the intergenerational trauma is um, has affected someone like me who's fifth generation. There's so much to learn that when you start to learn it, then you begin pushing yourself as a, an expert at it. Then they start to come to you. Uh, I told this. I told this kind of same speech to um, a diversity room, which was mostly. Uh, black and African-American filmmakers and someone reached out to me, they didn't know about the camps. They're like, I want to talk to you. And she happened to be an executive, really great that we all know. And I'm looking forward to that conversation because she didn't think, she thought I spoke Japanese because I said I was Japanese American and she caught her off guard. And I was like, oh, so you don't know uh, that there's that difference. You have that blind side. So when we start to position ourselves to explain and help other communities of color and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion people to say, uh, this is what we can provide because I understand the culture. I'm also consulting for another uh, writer who's not Asian, who wants to write an Asian story, not about an Asian character. So I'm like, okay, this is, we're better here. Um, but she wants to have a lot of culture into it. So, but she knows she shouldn't be writing it all herself. So she, I, she came up to me and she talked to me. I can tell her what I know about the Japanese American culture and how that can help in. I can't tell everything about the Japanese culture because I didn't grow up in Japan. Like my family just hasn't. I can only tell you what I know through Google and community community sourcing. Like what are these people doing? How do you know mochi? How do you write in your chopsticks? There's so many different things and nuances that I can bring, but I can only bring it if I've done the research to do that. Uh, I could talk about that all day, but we'll move on to like the next question. I hope that sure. helps. So, Rohit, for another question here, and then we have one from uh, David. Uh, anybody else watching this, feel free to ask a question. And we do something. have another 15 minutes going in. So, yeah, uh, awesome. get your question in before yeah, David had to leave us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, thank you for all the questions. I'll, I'll, I'll answer them all. Um, is there a perception that if there, if we improve accuracy or more away from stereotypes, it'll be less interesting to general audiences? No. I think not at all. I think it's actually, if we become improved the accuracy and move away from stereotypes, you might think that people won't watch it because it's not what they're used to. But if we become more accurate and become find the stories and the characters that are very universal um, and through the history and like just just becoming more educational, like I, the Black Panthers, you just call it. Um, edutainment right we're educating through entertainment mm -hmm. and when we start become more accurate um and putting the culture into it that's learning something so you so audiences will always be very interested in learning about a culture especially if they want to be more cultural um and more diverse they want to learn if we're giving them the opportunity to learn and we're able to teach them something then that becomes very interesting to people we watch really terrible TV shows like uh, Tiger King, and we're learning a little bit about somebody else. Um, it's a wild show, but we're learning. Same with like Bling Empire. Like we learned some things about different Asians because they were being uh, authentically themselves. When we start to move away from stereotypes and whitewashing and um, really just villainizing Asians uh, for what they are, we give people a more a better understanding of who we are as different people, but also just as American culture. So then like, if we just keep playing into the stereotypes, they're just gonna think we're playing into stereotypes. Um, I use this quote all the time from Malcolm X, the media is the most powerful entity on earth. It has the power to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. And so we know that for a fact that we see these things all the time, but when it comes to like stereotyping, it's the same thing. We make the, uh, the reality the stereotype and the stereotype of reality. When we're only playing the stereotypes, 
they think that's reality. So we have to move away from that and be more accurate of who we are. Thank you. All right, here's one from David. How can we get the Asian supermodel here? I mean, that's already happening, right? We have Shang-Chi coming through and uh, Simu Liu uh, playing that. I'm super excited to see what they're going to do. Um, he's exciting to just kind of speak with. I, I welcomed him in the club. I made a fool of myself. But, um, you know. Are you Clubhouse too? He was on Clubhouse. Yeah, he came hey. in. I know. <laughs> it was a cool room. Yeah, he seems like a cool dude. But, you know, we're getting that superhero. But we can't just let him be the only superhero, right? We need to start writing stories that make superheroes. Uh, the other kind of thing I kind of thought of right now was uh, Shazam. Uh, you know, he wasn't the lead, but there was an Asian dude in there who became like a superhero. I was like, that's cool. Um, you know, we're going to see things, more things like the uh, Cowboy Bebop uh, live action thing with um, – John Chu, right? John, no, John Cho. He's coming in. He's playing that. And like, that's, a, that could also be like a superhero. Um, yeah. You know, if I could do the plug, like, can't think what is a superhero? Do they have magical powers or are they using martial arts? Like, because recently it's been like Batman using martial arts and he's not Asian and that's his superpower is that he kind of has that ability. So, um, so what do you count as a superhero? I, but I do think we should have more that have superpowers and doing cool things. Um, can't just be the Shane Cheese. It should be more uh, newer characters, not even based off IP. So uh, my question to anybody who's, who's a screenwriter and writing, how are you promoting uh, superheroes in the Asian American space and what makes it different? So I think that's something to think about. Yeah, totally. So uh, here's another question. I just pop on my screen. <laughs> the increasing global connected audience do you see growing opportunities for u.s asian entertainment to asian countries pros and cons uh yeah i think um that's a that's a hard topic to come through and i haven't really gathered my full vernacular for it but the whole yeah, hollywood model has kind of thought about how does it work in the chinese market and that's a really good question to ask because the Chinese market didn't like Mulan very well. They didn't like the farewell as much or crazy rich Asians. So how is that really playing to the model of if we're doing better, how can we get that market as well? And, and that's a confusing question because they kind of, some people have said the Demi polls, like they didn't mind Scarlett Johansson playing those roles. And they actually kind of look down upon Asian Americans. They don't see us as full Asians. So, you know, I think it's, I think when we start to be more accurate and tell very interesting stories about who um, about who we are, but also how it connects with the Asian culture um, in in Asia, we get to break into crossing the divide. I think it's the same thing with uh, cross community co collaborations within the Black and Asian solidarity that we need to start having more of those. But the Asian and Asian American solidarity, when we start to tell, like we're still the same, but if you start to look at it, we are we're different but we still come from the same place of a lot of culture. We want to continue that culture, but you know, I was born here. My family was born here. We don't have ties to Japan, but at the same time I feel so connected because that is like a homeland. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have that the same thing. I don't have that uh, same connection. I've never been to Japan. My family's never been to Japan uh, for multiple generations. So, but do I want to feel accepted? Yes. And I think the way to, to bridge that divide is we start telling stories about ourselves and why we are like this uh, and how the immigration, your immigrant parents are telling these stories, why they came to America. Like we didn't abandon, you know, these Asian countries. We came to America for finding a, a different life and to send money back home. Like that was a lot of these uh, cultures have, con uh, have done. So when we're bridging that divide, the pros that hopefully that we will have a better unity and understanding that Asians are Asians, or just depending on where they're at. Um, the cons, it's, an, it's going to be an uphill struggle. You know, um, I think a part of it is the, the, going back to dubbing. I think we should need to have more dubbing. So we look at the stories, not think it's not accessible um, and telling better stories. Like don't let non-Asians write these stories and let, and be that the market uh, for there. Cause when they have that, they're like, this isn't, the story, something's wrong about it, whether it's the makeup, right. the the characters, the symbolism, symbolism, like Asian films, a lot of it's symbolism because they want to see a color. Uh, purple in America and in Europe is royalty, and so is gold. But in Japan, it's horror. So you can't have these symbols. When we start to cross the divide into, um, into American cinema, Asian American cinema, when we start to add those symbols and that it does resonate and doesn't and, and not making the story about the symbolism, but that it does represent a part of it, we start to get that the um, 
that connective into the other cultures because we do understand and that there needs to be a question. I had another friend uh, do some pictures um, and I was like, did you think about color? Because color makes a difference. So, yeah. uh, so no. Just a quick comment. Hey, <laughs> quick no, uh, Shazam, that, uh, I do need to go back and watch that Shaquille O'Neal movie. Uh, I, I believe it was Shazam. Um, it's that recent movie that came out in like 2017, 2018. Right, that's he, a new one. He, he games, yeah, he gets the PR. It's like the same, I think it's a, a spin-off from that. Uh, so uh, there was a um, little dude, he was the kid from uh, Fresh Off the Boat, and he played that role. But he was like the gamer, and I was like, okay, another stereotype uh, gamer, quiet kid. But then he got a superpower, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's strong. He's a cool dude. Like, I want to see more of that. Totally, totally. So, you know, I, I, I was thinking about the Mulan part of it because China make maybe, I think, seven versions of Mulan, which I, I watched them all. And potentially the reason why probably the actual Disney Mulan didn't do well because uh, Chinese people felt like they can do a better job with Mulan. Yeah. But here's the quite interesting thing about it. Why is a Great Wall did well in China but did bomb in here in the United States? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know the movie I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, I actually haven't even seen the Great Wall, but I know like the issue behind it. I mean, and, uh, Matt Damon and stuff. I think exactly. I think the reason why it does it did well. And I, this is perception. I don't really know all the stats or anything, so take it with a grain of rice, as I say. Um, you know, they want to see those big movie stars, right? The Hollywood star. It's for them. It's foreign, right? For them, it's American star. They're doing. They're really, really rich, right? Some Asian countries are. It's all about the money and the the face and so they know that face they that demon has been on there forever and so it's in their uh, zeitgeist and their uh, popularity so when you go into the film and talking about their story they're like well they're telling our story and there's someone someone famous right it's more about the notoriety than it is about the accuracy here we look at it and like well that's a problem uh you can't we want to know about that story but this white dude who's not asian who wouldn't be there during that time like why is this person in there? Why are we following this white character? We're just now getting woke enough to, look, uh, to talk about and critique these things as we should. But we now we're just now getting a huge language. And a part of our strong Asian leads mission is to really come together, talk about these things. Uh, don't just adhere and say, well, let's promote it because it's Asian representation. Like, let's promote it. But let's also take it apart and say, how could we do better next time? Exactly. If we don't ask the question to do better, we won't get there. Exactly. So, you know, um, it's actually a, a big shocking to me when the Oscar consider uh, one of the Korean American movie as a foreigner, foreign movie, even mm -hmm. though it's shot in the United States with American, uh, a Korean American actors. You tell us a little bit about that. I don't think a lot of people know about that storyline either. Oh, yeah. If you don't know about Minari, um, if I'm saying that the right phrase, uh, Minari is a Asian, a, a Korean American story. Right, about immigrants who come to come to America to go to Arkansas to uh, live a better life. Directed by eight Korean Americans uh, and Asian Americans, uh, acted with, with Korean Americans. They had, excuse me, Korean American uh, Korean uh, people come in and talk dialogue from Korea. Um, made with American money, right? Uh, A24 produced it. Directed by Asian Americans. Set in Arkansas. Shot in Oklahoma. Um, but the Golden Globes put it in the foreign language category. So not only does that give us, um, perpetuate the perpetual foreigner uh, syndrome, then this is not an American film, but they only use, the, their excuse was that uh, it's 50% in Korean, which is a foreign language. But Korean, there's so many people who speak Korean in America, and there is no one unified language in the United States. The United States has 350 different languages to sort of, and there's no one like national language. So to say that this is a foreign film uh, or foreign language film, like that just perpetuates more of the stereotype of what it is, which then uh, trickles down to understanding that because it's foreign language, um, not many people are going to go watch it as much. It's not going to people put in the movies. It made a Sundance award. I don't know which one, but it, it rocked Sundance for a long time. So whether this is a bad PR on global golden globes part, or maybe it was, that was the reason why they did it to have this, conversation and just to push the needle forward doesn't matter what it did for a lot of society is to think that this is a foreign film and it ruptured the asian americans to say like we need to talk about this because that's wrong so when we start to see these things we can't just let them go by we have to talk exactly. about way to talk about it. right we got one more question uh, then we're gonna have you talk about uh how people can reach you so sure 
How's the traditional views towards acting as a profession limit the amount of Asian actors in the industry? Has there been more Asian Americans reg registered as actors? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, I would say that they're, um, they're not as many registered. Um, if you're talking about like the Actors Guild and SAG-AFTRA, there's not as many, uh, as many. I think the percentages will tell you that. And uh, part of that is the systemic problems, uh, whether it's casting that says we should put a white person in here instead because it'll, it'll market better, because we'll get more money, we'll get more things. There's that problem. There are people who say we'll do it with an accent and then like, well, that's a stereotype. Um, and so some actors don't want to take it. Um, profession limit about actors like there are you know a good really good handful of professional actors and some of them are actually aging out and um you know retiring so we're getting this new small wave but there's there should just be more in general um when we start creating more shows uh talking about the system and writing stories for agents we're going to start seeing more agents come up uh, it might be new voices new actors i'm finding new actors all the time on clubhouse um you know like i've never heard their name but they're saying like, oh, you're a good voice actor. You've done a lot of uh, martial arts, um, amazing people. So we're going to start seeing them come up. But I think it's also really important for them to like uh, actors to start leaning into their Asianness. I think we've started, I think over time we've said, well, let's lean into Americanness because they don't want to hear or see from Asians. But now we need to start leaning into it and saying, do you know your culture? Because when they start saying we need a Japanese American, uh, are you someone who understands Japanese American culture to bring that in? Because they're starting to ask for the accuracy. We need to bring that accuracy. If we're just saying I'm Japanese American, but I don't know, I, I'm more American than I am Japanese. I don't really know any of the culture. Then is that the person we want to bring in for the representation? Because not only you can put them on screen, they can do act very well. The story might still be good, but it could be better if someone was able to, uh, and make a decision say something like jimmy o yang he he made a decision to say uh this is this accent is wrong is it something for me to say go and say well that rice cooker isn't the right kind of rice cooker that's that's not a one japanese have they don't have the multiple buttons the japanese americans are very um long-term japanese americans who have been here for over over a couple of generations don't have the the buttons and the musical uh rice cookers we have the one button and that's all that's it so how we can bring in that representation and the understanding of the culture um but we need to be professionals about it as well and so speaking up for ourselves speaking up for others um and also giving others the opportunity if you're if you're auditioning for a korean role but you're not korean you can do it but i've heard really great stories and i think this is how it should be done and saying I might be good. You might be asking me for the role, but I really think you should go to this person because they're better and they're Korean. So like we have to look out for one, one another as well. Yet we just start doing it for ourselves because they're not going to do it for us. Totally. Yeah. Luckily you just froze in the last part of it. So people can stay here. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. um, so um, if anybody who would like to reach out to you directly, how can they reach out to you? Sure. You, um, we're strong Asian lead at any of the socials. Uh, DM me on Instagram is probably the easiest way to get to me. Um, you can go to our website at strongasianlead.com. Uh, it's not fully developed yet, or I'm still having to fix all the languages, but the, the submission and email submissions still work. Um, you know, you can t reach out to me if you're if you're an emerging screenwriter and you want to help with your career and understanding how you position yourself and using your identity as an asset uh, for your upcoming managers. Like some people just don't know how managers work. So I call myself like a pre-manager. Like I'm not your manager, but I'll help you get one um, to think about your career as a career. This at the end of the day, this is a business. Uh, you can think about art as much as you want, but when you start thinking about art and you want to do more art, you want to get paid for your art, and to get paid for your art to make more art, it's a business. So right. when we start thinking about how the business works, we can start positioning ourselves as very uh, understanding of the industry, and then that helps a manager understand. This person understands how the, how I work, how the industry works. They're going to help me do get them better representation, get them more money. So. That's what I can do. If you're a company, if you know a company that um, an industry company that's like need more Asians uh, just to think about Asian stories because they're looking for that thing. Uh, we work with uh, diversity, equity, inclusion in their departments because uh, a lot of times they say we're promoting black and brown stories. As an Asian, I don't I don't identify with uh, the brown label. If anything, it's the yellow label. But you know, black, black, brown, and Asian. We need to say all three because then that uh, includes this other group. So you can, again, 
that's kind of what we do in our side. Uh, our Instagram page is working uh, right now. You can DM me there. Um, we're going to be, uh, we're now the lead campaign manager for Bruce Lee's uh, Warrior. So you're going to start seeing a lot of that. Thank you very much, David. I mean, you gave us a very, very great, wonderful one hour uh, educational and uh, learning about media industry and so on. 